Anyone here been rejected at some point in your life? We are a bunch of rejects here. <laughs> That's good. We're in good company then. Thanks, brother. No problem. All right. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be hanging out in only two verses today. We'll be going to several other verses, but I want to get to only two verses. We're having a communion service today, in Jesus' name. But I was thinking about Palm Sunday, and that got me thinking about my first girlfriend. Don't ask me why, just hang in there with me. Hang in there. So it was 1977, and it was right after Palm Sunday. And I'm walking out of gym class, and uh, this beautiful girl comes up to me. I mean, she was gorgeous. I mean, and I'll, I'll never forget her because she had one blue eye and one green eye. Wow. Exotic. And she came up with me, and she had like a big branch. No lie, not like this. It was a branch of like off a tree that had flowers on it that I was allergic to, but she didn't know. And she comes up to me, and she says to me, I'm going to be with you. First, she gave me a kiss, my first kiss, my first kiss. She kissed me on the cheek, and then she says to me, I'm going to be with you today, the next day, the next day, and the next day. <laughs> and she was. After four days, she dumped me. <laughs> and, and, and I saw her walking by with another dude. And talking about rejection, here I have a 17-year-old guy. I didn't date at all through high school. I know that's hard to believe, but hey. But when, she, when I first met her, I thought, hey, baby, my shit has come in. Yeah. I finally met a girl, I'm finally going to be able to date, and so forth. But out of nowhere, rejection. This is what got me thinking about Palm Sunday. Because Palm Sunday, most of us, I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, and most of us, this is like a holiday, we celebrate this. This is like a jovial day, we celebrate this. What happened on Palm Sunday is Jesus came in triumphantly on a donkey, and all the people were shouting, Hosanna, 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 glory to the Lord in the highest. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were all with Jesus. They were all excited about Jesus. And yet, and they were throwing the palms down. And yet, four days later, just four days later, just like me, four days later, they're, they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Many of us today have had rejection, Rob. You're right, absolutely right. Many of us have felt forsaken. Many of us know what it's like to be the outcast. Many of us, and we haven't yet, it's going to happen soon. Many of us know that the pain of being alone, the pain of not having anyone with you when you're going through suffering. Many of us have suffered injustice, maybe racism, maybe prejudice. Maybe you're that black sheep in the family that no one wants to hang out with. Like Jesus was the black sheep in the family. He had the brother. They thought he was nuts. They thought he was crazy. My family was not crazy. Well, maybe I am crazy. But they thought that. And so I want you to think about today we're going to be talking about Jesus and we're going to lead up to the cross. We're going to lead up to the three most important hours in your life. The three most important hours in my life, the three most important hours in human history took place on the cross Amen. when Jesus Christ was crucified. That's right. And we're going to get up to that. But before that, I want to give a little preview of how we got there. So how did it happen? You have the perfect Son of God. You have Jesus Christ, God Almighty, 
rejected by his own people, scorned by his own people, ridiculed by his own people. And here we are, they're praising him, and four days later, they're rejecting him. So I want to talk to you guys about the fact that while we're talking about Jesus on the cross, there are certain principles that we can apply to our own lives. If you're going through a certain feeling of pain today, a certain feeling of being forsaken today, a certain feeling of being rejected and left out. Because nobody, you know, I always, I always meet people on the streets and they say, man, I don't believe in God anymore because he forsook me. And I don't believe in God anymore because, you know, my father died. And uh, I'm not going to believe in that kind of a guy. Before you do that, and there's probably one or two of us in this room, before you do that, I want you to take a long look at the cross. I want you to take a long look at the life of Jesus. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He, he's amazing. And the more I look at Jesus, the more in love I am with him. The more I look at Jesus, the more I realize he's so amazing. What he went through for us is so amazing. And if we could just get it deep in our hearts, I want you to come with me today in this message. I want you to come with me back to that time. And I want you to feel the feels. I want you to maybe you be taking the smell. I want you to take in what it might have been like there at that time on Palm Sunday. They didn't call it Palm Sunday, but on that day. It was, that, it was the days leading up to the, to the Passover time, the days of unleavened bread, those eight days. And I want you to come with me. But how did this all happen? Well, it all started before the foundations of the world. God the Father was with God the Son and the Holy Spirit, and he knew our race would screw up. He knew that there was going to be a time where even though he created us to have eternal life, he created us in the Garden of Eden to enjoy life so tremendously, he knew it was going to happen. And before the foundations of the world, the scripture says that Jesus was slain for us, that he died for us, because God knew. And, he, and Jesus, in his love, Jesus, God's only boy, his only begotten son, he agreed to come to earth as a man. He agreed to humble himself and come down to earth to live, to live among us, to live among human beings, among the dirt. He got dirty with us. He was able to, to feel pain. He cried. He laughed. He had joy. He had brothers and sisters. He had a, a mother, and he had a, a, a father, Joseph, who was not born of the flesh, but he had a, a family just like us. And he grew up among us. And he, he grew up as anyone else, maybe just like you're growing up today. Some of you guys, maybe you're 20 years old. At 30, he started his public ministry. And he called people out and started preaching the word of God, saying, hey, you know, God came to give you a new life. He came to reverse the curse of what happened in the Garden of Eden. He came to reverse all the sin in our lives. He came to reverse all the shame in our lives. He came to give us all new lives because in the Garden of Eden, our ancestors screwed up. They screwed up through sin. And all of us, a lot of people say, well, I wasn't in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, you weren't in the Garden of Eden. But uh, you have the, the sin nature. All of us 
have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it was because of that, because God and his love and his amazing love, God the Father and Jesus together, they decide something has to be done. So Jesus voluntarily came to be born to die for us. We talk about Christmas. Christmas is actually uh, wrapped in promise. And the promise is that Jesus, he was born for one reason, and that was to die for us. That was to suffer for us. Isn't that amazing, a thought, if you can think about that? That he came, we celebrate Christmas, the pagan holiday that it is. We celebrate it, but it's all about Jesus coming to die. So he came and he lived among us. And for three years, he did nothing but good. He healed everywhere. He had compassion on people. When he saw someone who was being mistreated, he was with them. When he saw the blind beggar, he healed him. The leper, he healed him. When he saw the Pharisee, um, not the Pharisee, when he saw the tax collector saying, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, he took him in. When one of the tax collectors that he is, saw him, the most uh, tax collector at that time was the most hated people in Israel. And all know what he did? He said, hey, it's okay. Come down off that tree, out of that tree. We're going to your house for dinner tonight. We're going to have a party tonight, and I want you to bring all your, all your friends. That means all your slime, all your sinners, all your whores, all your prostitutes, all your robbers. I want you to come because I want them to come because I want to sit down with them and suffer. I want them to, 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 to enjoy my presence. That's the kind of Savior we have. He did nothing but good. He raised the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. So when he comes into uh, Jerusalem, the people heard all about Jesus and they were so excited to meet Jesus. But it's amazing how the world can turn, isn't it? And you might have had that experience in your life where you have a rejection or you have a relationship that you thought was so amazing and in an instant it's turning 180 around. And, and so it was time for the Passover. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what's in the heart of people. Jesus knew when people said, oh, I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Lord. He knew that at a drop of a hat, they could betray him. And one of his own, we find out, did betray him. Judas betrayed him. But he had, he had that amazing uh, love for all his disciples. He had what we're going to be celebrating today, which is the communion, which, was, which is Passover. We're going to be celebrating, remembering Jesus and his death. And Jesus, during uh, that, that um, celebration, he reminded the disciples that his time was coming. He was going to be going back to his amazing Precious heavenly Father. And then, after dinner, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. In that garden, I love, I love this, in the garden. Um, he, uh, he prayed. I love, it's called the Great High Priestly Prayer, John 17. It's not on the screen. But um, he prayed, and all his disciples weren't there with him because they fell asleep. <laughs> you know, they couldn't even be with him during that time. And he, he, he's on his knees and he's praying to the Father. Oh, dear Father, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so he's saying, basically, dear Heavenly Father, dear Abba. They had this relationship, you see. They had this relationship where they were eternally together. 
John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God toward each other, the Father and the Son together, looking toward each other, face to face, this intimacy, this amazing relationship. And in the garden, he's praying, Father, if it be your will, Dad, please let this cup pass from me. But I want your will, not my will. And then he starts praying. The stress on Jesus was amazing, the scriptures say. Uh, there's, there's actually a medical term for hematotrosis that under extreme stress, a person can actually sweat blood. Because at that time, Jesus was beginning to understand and take on the sins of all the world. He was beginning, he has his day down on his knees praying, he's all alone, he's, he's praying out, Abba, Father, I want your will, not my will. And Lord, I want to glorify you, just like the same glory we had together, Father, the same glory we had before the world began. I want to bring you glory. And Lord, I come for these people. I, I came to bring them to show you, to show them your love, and I want them, because you want me to do this, I want them to be one as we're one, so we can all be together and be one together. And that's the heart of God. And, and then he got up, and just as he got up off his knees, we see that the soldiers came, the Jewish rulers, and the guards, the princely guards, the, the priest guards, and Judas, one of his own, one of his own that he spent three years with, he ate with, he saw the miracles of Jesus. He saw the heart of Jesus. He saw Jesus weep, weep over Jerusalem. He saw all these things that Jesus did, and what does he do? He betrays him. He betrays him with a kiss, a kiss. And Jesus says, you're betraying the Son of Man with a kiss, Jesus. You feel that rejection? Talk about rejection. And then they took him. And you know, by the way, the scriptures say, and I say, uh, I'll give you past that one slide there in Isaiah 50, 53. This is really the, the nutshell of what Jesus was going through on earth and leading up to the cross, especially those three hours that I want to talk about in a second. He actually spent six hours on the cross. But I want to concentrate on those three hours for our, the reason that we're going to give. But look at those scriptures. This is an amazing prophecy. If you don't read Isaiah 53, please read it. It describes Jesus, it describes the Messiah and what would happen with his people and what he was like and kind of person he was. And look, he was despised and rejected. And you guys feel a little despised and rejected? It says, uh, he's a man of sorrows, that means suffering, and familiar with pain. And there's, not, there's two types of pain we're going to talk about in a second. There's physical pain, and then there's emotional pain. Now, some people, you know, can, the physical pain is one thing, but most people would agree. And if you've been through it, the emotional pain is much more difficult than the physical pain. Not, not belying the physical pain. But the emotional pain, but anyway, he was a man who was familiar with pain, a man of sorrows, rejected. And it says, like one whom people, just get away from me. Just get away from me. And there's people in the world today 
that we walk right over, we reject, we say, get away from me. I know some of us feel like that today. I want to take you to the cross. I'm on our journey to the cross now in this, in this passage that we're going over, in this, in this message. I want you to understand that if Jesus did it, you can do it. I want you to understand that you're not alone because Jesus went through it. And so as we're leading up to that, look, check that out. They hid him, they despised him, they hid their face. He was brought out and no one esteemed him as nothing. You're a nobody. From Hosanna, Hosanna, to crucify him, crucify him in four days. It says in Isaiah 52, it says that he was beaten so terribly. We like Hollywood. We like Hollywood and most of the Hollywood scene. And even the pictures of Jesus, a lot of us are walking around with a cross. And some of us have crucifixes. We're walking around with a cross. And, uh, and we're, not, we're not centering in on the glory, but it's important for what we're doing here today. It says in the scriptures that after he was arrested, Judas betrays him. He's arrested. They bring him. And they beat him, and they mock him, and they pluck his beard out. And he was so disfigured, the scriptures say, so beaten, so marred, that you could even notice he was even human. So when you're looking at the cross in, in your Catholic church, if you're a Catholic like I grew up, and you see that cross, you see a beautiful looking Jesus, who's white, but he's not white, but you see him there. <laughs> and you see him all like, you know, looking okay. It wasn't like that. Here's what the scripture says. And they had a cat of nine tails, the scriptures say, and they whipped him. The cat of nine tails is a, is a whip with um, pieces of bone and glass in it, and every time you would whip him, it would dig into his back, and it would pull it back with two hands, and it would be like a horrible sight. A horrible sight. We're going to look at Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 later, but it says, by those wounds we are healed. Amen. By those stripes we are healed. Amen. By the time Jesus got through a couple of the trials, mock trials, he was half dead. They put a cross on him. He was naked. He couldn't carry the cross, so they had this guy Simon of Cyrene, an African, carrying the cross for Jesus because Jesus did not have the energy. Being human and God, he didn't have the energy. They brought him up to this place called Golgotha, the skull. Amazingly, amazingly, Scholars say this is the exact location of Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the exact location that Abraham, that God told Abraham to sacrifice his dear only son, Isaac. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in the word of God, you have issues. If you don't believe in the word of God, you have not studied the Bible. How amazing, how wonderful, how this all fits in 
that at that exact location, the Son of God, God Almighty, Abba Father, His only Son, was put up. And, and I remember it says, Isaac says, Lord, uh, here, here's the wood and all, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, in faith, said, Son, the Lord Himself will provide that sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now I take you to the cross. And at the cross, everyone abandoned Jesus. His disciples ran away except for one. His mother was looking from afar. The Romans were there mocking him. The Jewish leaders were there mocking If you're God, come down off that cross. He saved others, but he can't save himself. They spit at him. They, they glared at him. And here's some lessons we have for us. Lessons from the cross. If you're going through, and I want to get to my verses, Matthew 27, 20, uh, 45 and 26, but I want to just touch on these real fast. I have two other lessons at the cross we're saying for Easter Sunday. So come back with friends. <laughs> the first is this. Here's Jesus going through all this amazing physical pain, emotional pain. He's been up probably for, for hours. And now it's, it's, it's 9 a.m. It says, and they put him, according to Mark, they put him on the cross. He's on the cross. They take five to seven inch nails and they hammer him in his wrists and in his feet. And it's so difficult if you read about it. It's so difficult if you're being crucified. It's so difficult to breathe because... Every time you take a breath, you have to lift up your feet. Every time you lift your feet up, the nails go further into your feet. Now, he's on the cross. And, you know, he had seven sayings from the cross. So, here he is suffering intensely after being beaten half to death. Here he is naked on a cross, mocking around him. People, it says, were gambling for his robes. Right in front of him, gambling for his robes, the Son of God. Jesus, the Savior, who came to save the exact people that were doing this for him. The exact people like us, who we put him on that cross by our sins. And it says, the very first thing, it says, the first lesson is he forgave. He forgave. Check that out. Jesus, the first, the first words on the cross were about him. Oh, deliver me from this pain. It was, Father, Abba, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the heart of God? In the face of rejection, in the face of torment, in the face of physical and emotional torture, his first saying is not like, get me off this cross. His first saying is, Father, forgive him. He's saying the same thing to you and me today in our sins. His heart is so open. His, do you see the heart of God here? Because it's so important about where we're going with this. So you might have walked in here feeling rejected. Well, Jesus was more rejected than you. You might have come in here feeling forsaken. Well, Jesus was more forsaken than you. You might have come here feeling hopeless. There's hope in the cross. There's hope because 
As we're going to see, that's why we're celebrating next week. Amen. Second thing. First, first lesson, forgive. So if you're going through some rejection right now, some forsaking, forgive. Forgive. Put down your weapon. Put down your right to take revenge. I know it's hard. I don't want to forgive. Someone cuts me off on 22, I'm after that baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I say. I'll go Jersey on them. <laughs> And don't look at his heart. The second thing is, look, he helped others. So not thinking about himself. The two thieves on the cross, they were both mocking him. But something happened to that one thief. When you see the Holy Spirit, when you're face to face with Jesus, you can't remain the same. Amen. Either you're going to walk away further in your pride in your sin, in your I know better than you, God, or you're going to see his precious face. Or you're going to see, wow, you're beautiful. Or you're going to see how he's suffering so gracefully. He heard, those thieves heard, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the face of the reviling, in the face of the spitting, in the face of mocking, those thieves heard that. And one of the thieves saw him as he was suffering. And it says in Isaiah 53 also, in verses 4 and 5, I'll get to later. Uh, well, there you go. It's right there. He, uh, you know, he did not open his mouth during this time in the sense of complaining. He was like a sheep going to his shear and did not open his mouth. You can go back to those other, that other slide. But look, the thieves are on the cross, and one of the thieves says, Jesus, all of a sudden, Doubt became faith. Today, doubt can become faith for some of you. Doubt can become faith. For some, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling God's not there, if you're feeling that you're alone, if you're wondering, is God really real? Here, he's, he was up close and personal with Jesus Christ. And he's here today by his Holy Spirit. And, and, and he says one, one thing. He didn't get baptized. He didn't like, pray the sinner's prayer. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just said, Jesus, from a sincere heart, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Look at the heart of God. Look at the hope he brings the human race. Look at the hope he brings every person who has to walk by the cross. Let me tell you today, God does not send anyone to hell. People send themselves to hell by spinning across the, the cross of Jesus Christ. You have to literally say, I don't want you, God, to go to hell. Because Jesus is outstretched. Jesus is willing to save. Jesus came to save. He came to save the world of its sins. For God so loved the world for Abba Dad. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Yes. So he says to the thief, the thief is dying, the pain of the crucifixion, what hope, what, what infusion of power, what infusion of, of looking forward to the future. Some of us have nothing to look forward to because we don't believe. We don't believe in the power of God. We're just living, we're just existing, we're just waiting to die. 
God has big plans for all you people. If you believe in God, He wants to change the life of your deep from the inside and out of your life. He wants to give you a new vision. He wants to pour a passion in you. He wants to give you, He wants you to help turn this whole world upside down for you. And he says to them, truly, there will just be such hope, truly you will be with me today in paradise. Amen. It doesn't get any better than that. That thief probably died with a smile on his face. With a smile on his face. So he forgave and helped others. Third point, here's the verses I want to get to. There's two more on Easter. And then he Share his heart with God. Healing starts with sharing our heart with God. And this is a very precious... If you had to cut out all the sayings of Jesus on the cross, you're seven, you could cut everyone out but this. Because in this, this explains, explains what was going on on the cross. This explains the heart of God. This explains the, the, the plan of salvation that God had all along. This explains it all. And here he is now. The scripture says it's three hours that he was on that cross. Three hours of mockery. Three hours of suffering. The physical pain was excruciating. But it was about to get much, much, much worse. It says from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the earth. The sixth hour in that economy is noon. So if you can picture it, 12 p.m. noon, all of a sudden, lights out. All of a sudden, some of you may have been in a hurricane or, or all of a sudden you see the clouds rolling against dark. Whoa, this is kind of scary here. At 12 noon, pitch black. Darkness is a sign of judgment in Scripture. When darkness came over Egypt, it was a sign of judgment. Darkness is a sign of judgment. And if I was one of those Roman guards, if I was one of the, the Jews there, if I was one of the people who were reviling that, I would have thought, boy, that darkness is coming for me. <laughs> Wrong. That darkness was coming because of what was about to happen between Jesus and the Father. Sorry. At, at that time. I'm sorry I'm emotional, guys. But I want you to get into the story with me. You know what's interesting? And you know what's really fascinating? This Friday begins Passover. It just so happens to coincide with, with what was the history. Because the day before Passover, at 12 noon, Passover began sundown on the day Jesus was crucified. At 12 noon, at 12 noon, they were sacrificing the lamb in the temple. Do you get what's going on here? 
Do you understand how God's word is so amazing? Do you understand that this is no accident? Amazing thing. At 12 noon, at the same time, the Jews were sacrificing the lamb. The lamb of God was on the cross being sacrificed. At 12 noon, it got dark. At 12 noon, it stayed dark for three hours. And that's at the end of the three hours, or sometimes we don't know exactly what Jesus cries out in his heart language, which is probably Aramaic. And that's the words that you're seeing up there. And that there's one Greek word there for cries out in a loud voice. It's only found there in the whole Bible, not found anywhere else. That word is not just, well, he cried out, hey, hey. No, that word is a shriek of terror, a shriek of emotional pain, a pain so deep. I remember when my dad died, I wept, I wailed. Daddy, Daddy, no. Eli, Eli. Love us, Tony. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want to point out something. This is the only place in the Bible when Jesus talks about God that he doesn't refer to him as my Father. You know why? Because at that moment, this is the emotional pain. At that moment, the Heavenly Father, in His love for you, turned His back on His Son. He turned His back on His only begotten Son. He didn't hear His cry. And that's why Jesus, the pain was worse than the crucifixion. In fact, R.C. Sproul says this is the crucifixion within the crucifixion. This is the crucifixion within the crucifixion. This is where the pain came in, where there was no one there. He was truly forsaken at that point. Why? Because at that point, Jesus Christ became your substitute. At that point, Jesus took on. He became sin. God can't look on sin. And in his love, he looked at his son, not at his dear son at that point. According to 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, look, he made him who had no sin to be sin. He couldn't look on him. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Roman uh, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished. They considered him punished. And look what it says. He, we, he was afflicted for us. He was pierced. What an amazing prophecy. And by the way, Jesus was quoting Psalm 22, yeah. verse 1. And even to this day, if you're in Jewish uh, circles, when you were, they didn't have like verses and chapters like that, but when you would quote the beginning of a psalm, the Jews would know what that was. They would know the whole psalm. 
They would know Jesus is referring to himself in Psalm 22, where he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's not David, because later on in Psalm 22, it says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have gambled for my garments. They have rejected me. They have surrounded me. There's no one with me. That was a prophetic psalm. Jesus, our Son of God, was in total control the whole time. Amen. Amen. And he pulled the fast one on Satan. The whole world at that time, the enemy of God, Satan was raised during that time. But God pulled us, I love to say, a spiritual double reverse. Hallelujah. He's going over here, and God went, oh no, I'm going this way. You think I'm dead over here? Well, guess what? Easter Sunday, baby, I'm over here. Easter Sunday. We're going to the doors down. We're going to break the doors we're going to rip the curtain in half. The tombs are going to come out with dead people that rise again. Rise again. Thank you, Lord. That's what happened. Amen. That's what happened. I'm going to call the bad guy. I have a son. His name is Jesse. Man, as I was going through this message, I love all my kids, but he's my firstborn. Oh, there he is. That's, that's him giving me a kiss on his wedding day. <laughs> I, I love Jesse with all my heart. I couldn't imagine turning my face on him. I couldn't imagine when he's crying out for help, not being there for him. I couldn't imagine that. You probably can't imagine either of your loved ones. Your loved ones are doing whoever it is in your heart. But God the Father turned his back on his son for those three hours. For those three hours. If you're going through a time of rejection right now, I want you to look at the cross. Before you start getting upset with God, look to Jesus. Let these words that he spoke pour through your soul. There's healing in that blood. As, as that precious, can you just picture the cross? Can you just picture I picture as the as the, the light came back after three hours, you, you saw the battered body of Jesus, and you saw that blood commingling down, pouring down. It says they put a spear in his side and blood and water came out. Can you, just, can you just go with me there for a second? To the cross. And you see that blood coming down to the ground and mixing with the dirt there, pouring down. And, and, and it says there was an earthquake. The tombs opened. Jesus today. What in the world is stopping you from surrendering your life to you? This is not an emotional play here. This is a fact of mission. What is stopping you from surrendering your heart? And if you are a Christian, some of you aren't living like Some of you just do lip service to God. 
Look what God did for you. We're going to have communion now, so we're ready with the communion. I have convinced up here with me, and what we're going to ask you to do is, as you're thinking about the cross, I want you to pray and come up and take the communion. Um, I think they're right there. We'll, we'll, we'll disperse that right here. You guys, maybe I'll put other you guys will come Who is communion for? Communion is for everybody. If you name Jesus as your Savior, communion is for you. But the scripture says to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. To be, to be sure that we're in here. If you're not sure you're in here, speak to one of us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. Um, I guess, Father God, Thank you, Lord, that because you turned your face away from Jesus for those three hours where he suffered an eternity in hell for each one of us. Father God, I thank you that we will never have a time in our lives where you will turn your face from us. We will never have a time in our lives, Lord, where we can't say, Abba Daddy, because you're always there for us because of what Jesus did for us. Father, I pray for that person in this room, Lord, that does not know you, Father. That person in this room that's feeling far from you. That person in this room that's feeling forsaken, rejected. Father, I pray that you would touch them. I pray, Lord, that they would come up for prayer today and, and, and be prayed over and renewed. Father God, I thank you that your spirit is here. And we thank you, Father, for what you've done for us. We thank you for those three hours, Lord, that changed the world forever. We give it all to you in Jesus' precious name.